0: It is August 1st and the BYU football program for the first time officially as a Big 12 conference member will take the practice fields to get ready for the upcoming season. What to make of day one of drills? What are the position battles to watch? And we're also talking about odds and ends with regards to the roster that came out yesterday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction, for those of you who may be checking us out for the very first time or returning after a hiatus, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports, and a huge thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast. Of course, it is August 1st, and that means BYU football is officially officially, officially back. BYU takes the practice field. You, know, you see the three officials that got in there. They take the practice field this afternoon for the first time officially as a Big 12 football program. That should excite you, folks. It is here. The time is now. BYU will have 25-ish practices, uh, give or take, as they get ready for their upcoming season opener against San Houston State on September 2nd. Very much looking forward to the month ahead. Obviously, a lot of storylines to track during training camp, as well as just making sure that uh, we cover all the stories and all the angles of training camp for you as well. Cannot wait to be out there watching BYU's first day of drills, at least part of it. Now the media core, we get to watch about 20 minutes of practice, give or take, on any given day, about twice a week. And obviously that is something. It's better than some other football programs out there who allow zero access to any of their practices uh, for media. So appreciative to BYU and Kalani Satake for allowing us that access and obviously we'll try to draw on all the intel we can. Of course, uh, any of you who are long time listeners, are everyday here on the podcast know that I have what I call my practice insiders, my hashtag sources with eyes and ears on the ground in Provo, feeding me intel from the entirety of practices, letting me know on players and coaches and scheme, that type of stuff I'd be happy to pass along to you guys. And that scheme I probably wouldn't pass along to you. But personnel notes, most notably, obviously, will be tracking uh, throughout the upcoming, upcoming training camp. Now, obviously, today is the first day of guys looking to establish themselves in the pecking order on the depth chart Seeking to earn playing time for the upcoming season. Now, Kalani Sitake has uh, been a broken record on this saying that there's competition at every position inside the BYU football program, as there should be. Let me be very upfront about that. The thing about it is, though, there are guys that I think you can pretty much pencil in, or or put in pen, I guess I should say, uh, in terms of being starters for BYU. I think number one is Keaton Slovis is your quarterback. Uh, He was established that by Aaron Roderick at the end of spring camp. He's done nothing all offseason long, based on what I understand, to have done anything to to damage that opportunity. I think you also can pencil in a guy like Kingsley Sumati to be your starting left tackle. I think Aiden Robbins is probably your number 1 running back, but beyond that, there are other position battles to track. On defense, I think you've got a nice group of players, but who ultimately will emerge at each one of those positions on the defensive side of the football? That's a great question in and of itself. So, I Want to start off today's show talking about some of the top position battles I'm going to be tracking personally during training camp. Let's start off at the quarterback position. Who emerges as quarterback two? Obviously, I mentioned Keaton Slovis is far and away your QB one. Is Jake Retzloff the heir uh, apparent, the backup this year for BYU, or could a kid or kids like Nick Billups, uh, Cade Fenegan, Ryder Burton, etc., could they ascend up the pecking order and establish themselves as the number two quarterback? Now, 25 practices should give those players. Plenty of opportunities to go show the coaches what they're capable of, but can any of them unseat who I think is the guy going into camp, who's the number two quarterback in Jake Ratzloff. the the self described BYU as he calls himself, a, a member of the Jewish faith. He's got all the ability, a big arm coming in from the junior college ranks. BYU very much was lucky and felt very lucky to have signed him out of the junior college ranks down there in California, and I think it looks like if everything goes according to plan, he probably is the number two guy, and obviously would be the the likely starter. In 2024 for BYU if he continues to develop. We'll see. I'm interested to see what the QB2 battle ends up playing out as. Uh, second thing is on the offensive line for BYU I mentioned I think Kinsey Sumati, you can put him down in Sharpie at left tackle. The other four positions are undecided in my mind because I think the biggest question mark is the other returning starter in Connor Pay. he can play one of three <laughs> positions here for BYU. He can play either guard spot or reprise his role as BYU starting center. That that That's going to be the interesting part here is where does he fit best because I've got a strong suspicion that Paul Miley, who missed all of spring camp with an upper body injury had offseason shoulder surgery as I understand it. He will be returning uh, to action. This is a guy who was a starting center for the University of Utah football program and was a good player for them up up in the up on the hill at Utah. Can he uh, earn that job as the center? And if his best position is center, I think Connor Pay actually would be a very natural move to either guard spot to make room for a guy like Paul Miley. I just don't think Paul Miley is big enough to play the guard spot. He's undersized already for an offensive lineman at the Power 5 level at 6'2, 290-300 pounds, somewhere in that range. So I think center is his likely landing spot. If he proves capable of being a starting lineman, I think that moves a guy like Connor Pay to either guard spot. That means there's going to be a fierce competition for playing time at guard beyond a guy like Connor Pay. Because you have Ian Fitzgerald, Waylon Lapuaho, Jake Eichhorn, uh, returning players and Trevin Osler. You can just go down the list at a number of guys who will be competing on the interior BYU's offensive line for playing time. At right tackle, I think you're looking at Caleb Etienne, who started 13 games a year ago at left tackle for Oklahoma State, makes that transfer to BYU. I, I think he is going to be the favorite to start at that right tackle position but one name we're probably not paying close enough attention to is the name Simi Mowala. Now, Moala joins BYU after taking a year off following a decision to leave the University of Utah football program decided he was going to transfer to Jackson State, never enrolled, and played for Coach Prime, speaking of Deion Sanders, down there at Jackson State, but is enrolled at BYU. And this guy, remember, folks, he was an all-conference performer for Utah before opting to leave the football program up at Utah. If he is back to what he's capable of being, speaking of Moa, he could be a starter for BYU at any one of a number of positions. He could slot inside at guard, but I think it's more likely he could end up starting at tackle. It's just the offensive line is going to have a fierce, fierce battle for playing time across the board. Like I said, uh, Kingsley will have to obviously prove himself as the left tackle, but I-, I would imagine I think there's four spots up for grabs and one that's likely locked down on the offensive line for BYU. Flipping over to the defense, I think the entirety of the defensive line is going to be a fun position battle to watch. Are some of the additions on the interior, guys like a, 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 um, Jackson Cravens or a David Latu, are they going to be the starters at defensive tackle for BYU? Or can guys like Caden Haas and Aitonais and Mahe, who've got all kinds of experience playing for BYU, can they reprise their roles as BYU starting interior defensive lineman? On the edges, is Tyler Batty going to be flanked by a guy like Isaiah Banya? Can I say a Moa make a move up? The thing about this is the defensive line feels like it's going to be a constant state of flux. All training camp long, as BYU tries to find the right combination of guys who both can be stingy against the run, but at the same time generate pass rush with a four-man alignment, if at all possible. I think you're going to unlock a guy like Tyler Batty's ultimate skill set and set him loose because it's been a it's been a slog for him the past two years playing that two-gap scheme that he's been uh, forced to play in BYU's defense. Now he's playing a true defensive end role. I think we're about to see the best of a guy like Tyler Batty, and can he be flanked? Like I say, Isaiah Banya on the other side is a hybrid defensive end who led Boise State in sacks as recently as 2 seasons ago can they become that fearsome pass rush combo for BYU off the edge and help them rise from let me get, let me make sure you guys remember this BYU was 129th in 2022 in team sacks there was 130 133- 130 teams, 131 teams in the FBS ranks last year, they were second or uh, third to last in team sacks. I think it was 130 teams. So second to last in team sacks in all of college football, the highest level last year. That is unacceptable. BYU has to improve that, and the defensive line is going to have to make uh, strides to improve on that number. Now, the linebacking core should help out with that. Is A.J. Vong Pachong going to lock down the middle for BYU? Does he end up uh, playing kind of that Mike or that Sam linebacker to allow guys like Max Tully and Ben Bywater to do what they do best and that is freelance a little bit. I'm not saying freelance all the time, but their ability to kind of drift into space and make plays out there is is a thing that BYU absolutely needs to have as part of this defense. I I think that the bigger question will be beyond those three who seem to be your starters at linebacker. Can the Young Bucks move up? Isaiah Glasker, both of the Kafusi, speaking of Micah and Ace Kafusi, can they make imprints? How is Harrison Taggart fitting in after transferring from Oregon? They're, They're great questions across the board at linebacker. And then even further back at defensive back the cornerback situation. It feels like Eddie Heckard and Jacob Robinson are probably your likely starting combo at cornerback but could they ultimately decide that Eddie Heckard is better suited to play the nickel spot because he's a little bit shorter and maybe find a guy like Maury Bamba starting on the outside. Does Camden Garrett who transferred alongside Eddie Heckard to BYU from Weber State, does he get more run on the outside? There's a lot of question marks with the corners I think just trying to find the right combination of one, two, or three guys to go out there. During spring camp we saw combinations of Eddie Heckard uh, Mori Bamba, as well as Jacob Robinson in a three-corner alignment with Eddie Heckard playing that slot uh, cornerback role, the nickel cornerback role. It was actually a really effective unit, it looked like, on the field. So that ultimately could be how BYU aligns itself. I think at safety, you're, you're pretty well established. And the ultimate uh, question, I guess, in many people's minds, is the kicking position. Now, we're going to get to some other uh, positional notes, some additions to the roster and subtractions, but one notable subtraction uh, based on the roster that was put online yesterday is that kicker Justin Smith is no. No longer on BYU football's roster. Did he opt to move on from football? Was there an oversight by BYU sports information? We'll learn more tomorrow. When we're, excuse me, tomorrow. Speaking when I record this podcast. Today when we're out at practice. Obviously trying to seek more information on that. But if he ultimately has moved on uh, from BYU. That means you leave three contenders for the kicking position. None of which have taken a kick in college football. As far as a field goal or a PAT. Will Ferrin is most experienced having been a kickoff specialist for Boise State. During his time with the Bronx. You have also Matthias Dunn, who comes to BYU after walking on out of Wasatch High School. And then Jared Capici, the younger brother of E.C. Capici, a former BYU defensive uh, defensive back and backup kicker. He is coming in as a walk-on freshman to compete for the role. Uh, the biggest thing is, can BYU establish themselves to find a kicker that is going to be worth uh, worth wins? Uh, the biggest thing is, the kickers can lose or win games. BYU needs to find themselves on the on the net positive end of the kicking side of things versus having a kicker that's a liability whereas it might lose you a game or two. That's the tough part of what you're trying to balance here for BYU. So I just ran down a bunch of different things going on with BYU with regards to how things are looking going into training camp, these position battles, but the fun part is it's here. That's the thing about this. Folks, we've made it. We made it through 200-plus days, or maybe just under 200-plus days, but nonetheless, it's been a long Long offseason, a lot of storylines about conference realignment, BYU ultimately entering the Big 12 conference, uh, transfer portal additions, reformed NIL, name, image, and likeness, uh, all that type of stuff has carried us through the offseason. But now we actually get to talk about the on-the-field product for BYU football, and uh, frankly, <laughs> I, am, I am ecstatic. Uh, to have actual football to talk about. Their business of sports, all the different storylines around the sport itself, yes, they obviously have powered this podcast for the majority of this offseason, but it feels so good to finally be talking, and we will be talking tomorrow, recapping practice one for BYU, and just talking about actual competition on the field. Guys wearing helmets, making plays, big catches, interceptions, whistle sacks, uh, offensive and defensive linemen mixing it up, tussling it potentially with Fist fights and the like. That, that's the thing about this. It's that time of year. It, it's just. It's a good time of year. It's the, it's the, truly the best time of the year. I know, that obviously, it's a, a play off of the this, the famous Christmas tune, but nonetheless, it is a ton of fun, and I, for one, cannot wait to be out at BYU football practice, smelling the grass and watching the guys do their thing out there. And, of course, we'll have full recap of, of day one for you guys on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, coming up here in just a minute, as I mentioned, some minutiae, uh, odds and ends with regards to roster additions, subtractions, uh, as well as a new commitment to BYU. Uh, via the specialist route. We'll talk about all that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, a word on our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, my friends. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to know that that part will fit or your money back. That's the guarantee they make for you guys. Just because, because just like in sports, confidence is in the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices right now on ebaymotors.com once again that's ebaymotors.com let's ride my friends uh, not a little minutia ebay guarantee fit available only to u.s customers eligible items only and exclusions apply. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. As I mentioned, coming up on tomorrow's show, recap of day one from BYU Spring Camp—not uh, Spring Camp, Fall Camp, excuse me—training camp is here. Uh, spring camps well in the rearview mirror. Uh, we are talking football and obviously uh, interviews and the like will be coming your way as well. So stay tuned for all that on Locked On Cougars on our Wednesday edition of the podcast. All right, let's talk about some of the minutia out there in BYU sports. Uh, first off, BYU obviously. Uh, has uh, a new uh, influx of cash coming into the football program. And we saw this yesterday BYU Football revealing their new meeting room. It's got a big uh, kind of inlaid wall on the back wall with neon lights, and the Nike swoosh, the oval Y, and the Big 12 logo. It looks absolutely phenomenal. BYU tore out their old uh, meeting room and obviously did, it, did an update. I think it's just like the tip of the iceberg some of the facility upgrades coming to BYU. And it's not just the football program. Uh, Across the board, BYU is investing in all their programs. I have it on very good authority that BYU basketball is doing a lot of work with regards to the Marriott Center Annex, upgrading things there, uh, making things better for the coaches and players alike. That's the thing about this. I think BYU is strategic. Strategically, if I can get that word out of my mouth, uh, being very smart about where they're investing this money. But the nice part is BYU's never had this much money coming into their coffers. They're expected to make uh, roughly $18 million in media rights this year from the Big 12, $19 million next year. And then when the new media rights still kicks in in 2025, it's $31.7 million to start out. And that doesn't even include bowl uh, payouts, uh, conference tournament, not, not conference tournament, NCAA tournament, uh, their their payouts with regards to the NCAA men's basketball and women's basketball tournament. There's a lot of money coming BYU's way. And obviously I think they're going to reinvest it the right way. At least I hope they do and continue to uh, give that money to the program's Football, most notably, uh, that that make the Lions share up of it. But obviously, invest where it needed in the various football programs because it's going to take an overall influx of just overall donations to make BYU a better football program and just athletic department uh, by extension. All right, so that's one thing, so uh, keep an eye on that. Obviously, that's, like I said, new meeting room. It feels like it's just kicking off kind of a new round of upgrades coming to BYU sports. Now, other news that has come out, uh, BYU has added uh, two players to their roster. Uh, Interesting notes on both of these players. Uh, speaking of uh, BYU, added safety Malai uh, Tanuvasa, who spent uh, uh, this past spring with the University of Utah, uh, saw sparse action with the Utes, and uh, originally actually prepped at Skyridge High School. He is enrolled at BYU. He'll be playing safety, six foot, one hundred and eighty pounds. And then they all added another offensive lineman in Joseph Paulo, six foot eight, three hundred and thirty pounds, coming to BYU by way of the College of San Mateo. He has two years of eligibility remaining. He played both right guard and right. Tackle during his time in the junior college ranks. He played at Menlo Atherton High School in the Bay Area was a prep recruit uh, way back in 2019, but uh, this is almost weird uh, weird to me because he almost measures the exact same as a guy like, like Lee Salah Now, Ty is currently not on the roster for BYU. He was a guy that Aaron Roderick crowed about in the bowl preparations last year saying that he had the capability of being an NFL lineman. Is Joseph Paulo's addition to the roster here for BYU indication that a guy like uh, Lee Salah is not expected to be be with BYU this season? I don't know that for certain. I'll be doing some, uh, digging to see what I can find out on that front, but it seems to me they may have replaced uh, one offensive, one gigantic offensive lineman, by the way, with another, because Lisa Latai was all a 6'8, at least 320 pounds, I think, when he came to BYU out of Snow College. But uh, BYU continues to find these just gigantic human beings playing offensive line. It's crazy to look at some of the heights listed on BYU's roster. You have guys like Braden Keim, who I think is listed at 6'9. I just mentioned Joseph Apollo at 6'8. You have Blake Free Last year, who was all a 6'8, if not 6'10". You've got a lot of tall linemen. I think who else is all uh, Jake Griffin, who was a missionary. He's listed at 6'8. So there's crazy, crazy side. Caleb B size, excuse me. Caleb BTN listed at 6'7. I've heard heard people say he's closer to 6'8. So geez, just huge. Huge huge bodies on that offensive line, and obviously they should uh, form a pretty formidable uh, wall in front of a guy like Keaton Slovis and keep him upright, hopefully, this season. So uh, keep an eye on that, obviously, with those additions. Also, one other uh, note, along with Justin Smith's removal from the roster, Nick Harris, who is a backup long snapper, is no longer on BYU football's roster as well. So uh, some minutiae there on the roster side of things. Now, BYU also got a commitment yesterday uh, via their special teams, that coming in the shape of Mountain Ridge High School here in Utah. Uh, it's a newer high school uh, built out on the west side of Salt Lake Valley. If you know where the Mountain View Corridor is at, it's right off Mountain View Corridor on the south end of Salt Lake Valley. But he's a kicker in it by the name of Brody Laga. He's a left-footed kicker who actually originally started out playing soccer, had not kicked in a football game until 2021, but he's considered one of the top 12 uh, specialists by Chris Saylor Kicking Academy in the 2024 recruiting class. They uh, list him as a five, five-star prospect. Now, uh, kicking ratings and ratings, regular star ratings. I don't know how to make sense of them, how they match up, but uh, according to Chris Saylor, who is one of the foremost when it comes to prep kicking, he thinks he's one of the top 12 guys in this recruiting class. That's a solid addition for BYU. Not the biggest guy in the world, speaking of Laga, 5'10", 150 pounds, but he's going to enroll at BYU in 2024 and then serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, Obviously, uh, Kelly Papinga is making it a priority to shore up BYU special teams for years to come. Uh, you also added Ian Sanchez, who is currently serving a mission for BYU as a kicker out of Lone Peak that I have seen with my own eyes. I have not seen had an opportunity calling high school football games to see Brody Log alive. I hope to see that this season. But I tell you that Ian Sanchez, who recently committed to BYU, is part of the 2023 class, if I recall correctly. That dude has got an absolute cannon for a leg uh, coming out of Lone Peak High School. So BYU is uh, looking like they've got some kickers on, on the hook coming in and especially considering the kicking situation right now. Uh, could one of them enroll early? That's the question, but nonetheless it's just kind of those funny notes. Alright, final note on the minutiae here is that we have three members of the BYU football program who have kicked off watch list season. We go from talking season when media days are going on to watch list season in the early part of August and that started yesterday with the Maxwell Award which goes to the nation's most outstanding player. Consider it uh, to be like a Heisman Trophy-like award. Two members of the BYU football program were named to that watch list. Speaking of quarterback Keaton Slovis, as well as running back Aiden Robbins. Both of them transfers into BYU, but guys who have been on that list before, so congratulations to both of them. Uh, BYU is one of 17 programs who produced two players on that Maxwell Award watch list, Uh, so congratulations to both players there. And speaking of specialists, the Patrick Manley Award, which I didn't know even existed until yesterday, it goes to the top long snapper in the country, and BYU junior Austin Riggs has been named to that watch list. Riggs has been a primary uh, snapper for BYU uh, kind of trading time on and off with Britton Hogan over the past two years this year figures to reprise his role as BYU starting long snapper and obviously uh, getting that honor from the Patrick Manley Foundation whatever I, is the Patrick Manley Foundation I don't know but nonetheless congratulations all the same to Austin Riggs uh, as well as Aiden Robbins and Keaton Slowis. All right. Did uh, you stay with me through all that? Because there's a lot of minutia there. I apologize. But had to get that uh, out of the way. And we'll, coming up next, we're going to finish out today's podcast with a look back at one of the biggest wins in BYU's independent run. Simply because it broke what was called the streak. We're talking about BYU beating Utah in 2021 as we, 2021, as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Thank you once again for making Locked Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who have entered to win our, our uh, Jaron Hall signed football. By the way, I closed submissions. If some of you sneak in uh, before I I officially kind of stop looking at it, hey, nonetheless, I'll, I'll probably still enter you. Uh, I'm going to get all the names that were added yesterday. We had a number of you enter uh, yesterday. I have been uploading these into a number generator. I'm not 100 certain if I'm able to like film it. Uh, they do like a screenshot of it, but we're going to run the number generator, have it spit out the numbers, and we'll give a, a the give, we'll announce the giveaway winners uh, coming up later this week. Looking at probably doing that on our Friday edition of the podcast. So, if you want to know if you won, make sure you do not miss the Friday edition of the podcast. Should something pop up, I need to change it. I'll be sure to let you guys know ASAP, but it's currently looking like Friday is when we will announce who our winners of those various uh, prizes are. The grand prize, obviously, is Jaron Hall sign football. We've got the BYU swag to give away some polos, uh, socks. I've got other just other BYU gear that I've picked up over. Over the past little bit, I'm going to be giving away to all of you out there. Hopefully not. Well, okay, it won't be all of you because I think we're north of 300 entrants into this. So thank you to all of you, by the way, who entered to win. It's been phenomenal response. It's truly uh, awesome to see you guys uh, embracing the podcast, being a part of the community. So thank you for that. But we reward as many as we possibly can. Everything I can give away, I'm going to be uh, parting with. Uh, there's some stuff I, I picked up from Wooden Grail recently, and that Atari Coog stuff will be given away. So stay tuned for Friday. It should be a very very fun day. All right, final notes on today's show is a look back at a big win for BYU on September 11th, 2021. Now, this may have been the biggest weekend in BYU history in recent memory because many of you might recall September 10th, the day before this game, BYU officially got the call from the Big 12. The invite to join the Big 12 conference had a big press conference. Bob Bowlesby was on the call. Lawrence Skuvanik, uh the president of Texas Tech, who led the executive committee for the Big 12. They were all speaking, and obviously Kevin Worth and Tom Homo accepting the invitation to join the Big 12 Conference. Well, the very next day, BYU hosted the University of Utah in Provo, Utah. Now... It had been 12 years, nine straight losses to the Utes. BYU wanted to avoid what Utah fans were very lovingly using, the hashtag 10 is coming. You did not want to have a double-digit losing streak. They'd already tied the longest streak in, uh, what do you call it, the The rivalry's history with nine straight wins. You did not want to let them break that record on your home field. And the good news was BYU is ready to roll. And Utah, uh, for whatever reason, decided that they were going to start Charlie Brewer at quarterback. Now, we all know that Cam Rising has proven to be uh, quite a quarterback in his own right, but they... Uh, just inexplicably went with Charlie Brewer in this game, and to BYU's credit, they, they made him pay. He ended up 15 of 26, one touchdown, one interception in this game. I have it on fairly good authority that uh, be, uh, that Utah, for whatever reason, thought that Brewer's accuracy at that point was a better option for them, but uh, later on in that season, they switched to Cam Rising. It's kind of all she wrote for that for that football program, but Jaron Hall came out and just balled out. I- I'm still not convinced. The one thing about this, there is a play in this game, and if you recall, it was like a 60-some-odd-yard touchdown, Touchdown run. It it wasn't a touchdown run because the officials said that Jaron Hall stepped out of bounds. The instant replay on it was completely inconclusive. I don't think he stepped out at all, and it should be one of the highlight reel plays that belongs on Jaron Hall's highlight reel because it was a touchdown. I truly believe that was a touchdown run. But I I, I digress. The nice part was BYU went out and built a. uh, It was a 16 to 7 lead at halftime, and despite uh, some. Falters in in the fourth quarter. BYU ended up uh, adding ten points in the in the second half to get to their twenty six points. They scored. Uh, Utah scored ten points in the fourth quarter but was not enough as BYU celebrated wildly. Remember the the fan base just exploded. I, I was in that press box and I could just hear it. We have glass between us and the, but you could just hear just like this this guttural. Like this, like it was just it was an exhale in so many ways for BYU fans. Twelve years, nine losses, and BYU finally gets the win over the University of Utah to end the streak. And since then, BYU has not played University of Utah, so BYU still holds uh, the current lead in terms of uh, the overall uh, series right now, up one nothing over the past two years. Now they will reconvene that uh, rivalry next year up in Salt Lake City. Um, Some other notes from this game, by the way: BYU outrushed uh, Utah in this game, two hundred thirty-one. Yards to 193 yards. Kyle Whittingham, uh, he is reticent to give BYU credit seemingly on anything. He did say this in the post game, and it's something that Utah fans, for whatever reason, want to overlook because they say, well, if, if Cam Rising had started the game, Utah wins that game. Kyle Whittingham, their beloved head coach, said in the postgame, they beat us on both sides of the ball in the trenches. I I would have bet big money – I'm not quoting it verbatim, but I would have bet big money coming into this game that we would not have lost those battles, but we did tonight. BYU – Really hung with one of the best offensive and defensive line programs in terms of just the overall uh, persona and just kind of the, the the I don't know the the culture that Utah has. They are known for beating you up in the trenches, and BYU went toe to toe with them. And the opposing head coach Kyle Whittingham said they beat us at our own game. That is a tip of the cap to BYU in this one. Huge win for the Cougars, obviously. Got them to 2-0 on the season. Drop Utah, who was ranked 21st, to 1-1 on the season. Now we all know the next week uh, Utah would lose the game at San Diego State. Uh, they did make the change at quarterback the next week to Cam Rising. But nonetheless, uh, BYU was off and rolling at that point. And we will talk about another game uh, tomorrow on the podcast. Looking at another huge win for BYU. Uh, especially considering it has one individual play that is one of those plays that will forever be on highlight reels of anything BYU football, all thanks to Tyler Algier and obviously BYU taking on Arizona State for the second straight week at home at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And we'll talk about that one on tomorrow's edition of the podcast as well as updates on everything going on uh, from BYU training camp day one. So thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast. As always, it's an absolute privilege to bring this to you guys on a daily basis. I do need to give a shout-out to a couple of folks, by the way. i got to pull this up real quick before I get out of here. Uh comes from a good friend of mine uh, yesterday. Funny enough, uh, apparently we have like CEOs of companies that like to watch my podcast. And uh, it kind of stunned me when I learned this. But I'm trying to pull this up here before we go on today. You know, I should have this out of the way real quick uh, off the top. Uh, but real quick, uh, Kirk Feller. Uh, big shout out to Kirk over at Bodyguards. Uh, they do great work. Uh, by the way, my phone and like all my iPad and whatnot covered by their screen protectors. So uh, I'm not being paid at all by Bodyguards. I'm gonna be very clear about this uh but apparently kirk is is like the the president and the ceo of bodyguards i like ceos watching the show it just stuns me how many people uh, do listen to the show and it's frankly humbling in many many ways cuz I'm a relative nobody, but nonetheless, a big thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast, and big shout-out to you, Kirk. Thank you for your support, and obviously, we'd love to catch up with you and talk all things Cougars at some point down the road. But until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy day one of BYU training camp. Many reports. Keep it locked right here on Locked on Cougars, as well as social media. We'll have plenty of coverage for you guys coming up. Once again, this has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.